you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. house this morning has God been good to anybody in this house today you ought to give him praise come on lift up your voice and give him praise this morning give him praise this morning he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy he's worthy hallelujah hallelujah oh we worship you Lord we worship you Lord we worship you Lord Amen, amen, amen. Well, has the Lord been good? Has the Lord been good? You ought to notify your face and put your hands together and let the joy of the Lord come out of your worship and praise to God this morning. Come on, He's been too good to us. He's been good to us. He's been good to us. Amen. I grew up singing an old hymn around the church. I think I'm going to sing it this morning. No, I'm not. We're going to sing it this morning. How about we just have a little old-fashioned church here for just a moment? How many of you remember singing songs about how good Jesus has been to you? Well, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Come on, sing it like you mean it. Oh, what you've done for me. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. We used to say this, he saved my soul from sin. He gave me peace and joy within. Well, I've been buried in his name, and of him I'm not ashamed. I love Jesus best of all. Say, Jesus, I'll never, never forget what you've done for me. 
Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Now, if you mean it, you ought to praise him this morning. Come on, you ought to lift up your voice and give him praise. Let it come out of your belly this morning. He's been good. He's been good. He's been good. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 20, if you have your Bibles this morning. Happy Grandparents Day to all of our grandparents in the room this morning. Amen. It's a great day, they tell me. I'm waiting. John chapter 20, verse 26. Somebody told me this morning, said if they would have known grandkids were going to be so much fun, they'd have just skipped kids and just had grandkids. John chapter 20, verse 26, and eight and after eight days, Again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side. And be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. But blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are they that have not seen yet believe. For the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to preach just a few minutes into your hearing from this subject, defining moments, defining moments. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I pray today, God, that your word settles deep in our spirit today. Help us this morning to speak what you have laid on our heart and what you have inspired in our spirit. That the word of God accomplish the purpose for which you were sending it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. There are a lot of different defining moments in life. It's grandparents' day. Perhaps that first grandchild was a de defining moment. Perhaps the first child was a defining moment. Having twins was a defining moment. These defining moments give meaning and purpose to life. We say they are defining moments because actually they redefine life as we have known it before. It is a turning point. It is often these defining moments that the course of our lives change and our future is determined by what has transpired 
in our life. For Thomas, it was when he put his hand into his side, into the side of the Lord, and placed his hand into the nail prints that were in his hand. It changed his mind and his heart and his perspective. And the words of Thomas, as we refer to him as Doubting Thomas, if your name is Thomas, don't get offended. His whole perspective in life changed. And it was for the first time that he said, My Lord and my God. He identified him as his Lord and his God. It was a defining moment. With little thought, we can all find defining moments in our life, times that changed everything. Today is one of those defining moments. While we celebrate Grandparents' Day, I'm not sure why they put Grandparents' Day and September the 11th all together on the calendar for us to celebrate. One is a time of reflection and one is a time of celebration. Today we do reflect on a moment in the history of the United States of America and the world. Our lives and our world was forever altered by the events that occurred on this day many years ago. At 8.46 a.m., I still remember it like it was yesterday. Hearing the news of the attack of the World Trade Center, I drove from my home on East Armstrong Street to Indianapolis. I arrived at Calvary Tabernacle. I walked gentry into Calvary Christian School that morning. I walked by the office. I signed him in. And as I dropped him off at school, the school secretary, Sister Coogan, turned to me and she said, have you heard about the plane hitting the World Trade Center? I had not. Between that moment and the time it took for me to walk out those doors, a hundred or so feet down to the main church entrance and unlock the doors and walk in to the, and unlock the office. Between that space of time, the second plane had then struck the second tower. Brother Glenn Seaman, our district secretary at that time, arrived in my office just a few moments later and the two of us agreed that we needed to know what was happening, so we jumped in a car, drove downtown, and we went to Starbucks, located in Conseco Fieldhouse, where we watched the event of the morning unfold as it was broadcast to the entire world on national news. Nobody really knew what was happening, but we knew the world was changing. It was a defining moment. I'm guessing as I shared my story, each of you, most of you in this room, are old enough to remember exactly where you were, exactly how you responded, because it was a defining moment that changed 
the world. Perhaps it was actually much bigger than any of us had ever imagined. National security had been breached and the world was about to be turned upside down. Shortly after I left Conseco Field House, back to the church for a debriefing. An emergency prayer meeting called at Calvary Tabernacle for that evening. Directions given by my pastor Paul Mooney at that time. I jumped in the vehicle, drove to the nearest gas station where I was met with a line that was literally hundreds of yards long. For about three hours I sat in line waiting to get fuel and was having to pay $4 a gallon for the first time in history. In the matter of hours, the stock market began to fall. Perhaps the worst recession since the Great Depression was destined to follow. Above all, the American psyche was changed. We realized that we could no longer live blindly and trust wildly. Before 9-11, we could walk with our loved ones and our friends to the gate and watch them board the plane, hug them goodbye before they stepped through the door, stand in the windows of Indianapolis Airport and watch them fly away. We could show up minutes before the flight, run down the hall and still make it. We could walk freely into stadiums and courthouses and public arenas. We could board planes without removing any clothing or shoes or belts. Our bags were not searched with a fine-tooth comb by a grumpy TSA agent. We could carry normal bottles of shampoo instead of struggling to find a way to carry 3.4 ounces or less. We could pull up to the curb and wait on passengers without being chased off by security. We could show our children the cockpit of a big jetliner as we walked on to the plane. Just a few things that happen in one industry alone. Few people in America before then could even correctly pronounce Osama bin Laden or Al-Qaeda. Now, after 9-11, we have learned that we can't afford to live as though we are innocent anymore. We live on constant guard. The world beforehand knew very little security at the level that we know today. Today, not only are our federal buildings surrounded with security, but now our schoolhouses, and our church houses. According to psychology today, fears and anxiety have risen with feelings of loss and safety for security. Terrorism is just that. It's meant to cause people to live in fear. The goal is to control people through tactics that are evil by imposing fear where fear should not have to be. September 11, 2001 was a defining moment that changed our world. 
2,743 people died on that defining day. Among them were 403 firemen and policemen who died trying to save others. This must be a day that the church, America, and the world never forgets. I didn't come today to just remind you of a historical lesson or preach a historical or political sermon. But I came this morning to remind you that the Bible is amassed with amazing stories of moments which defined or redefined the lives of men and women. Many of them would have gone unnoticed except for the defining moment which changed their life and often the course and the pattern for which they were going to walk and live. A man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, no man could bind him and they could put chains on him but they could not hold him. Neither could anybody tame him. Always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. But he had an encounter with a man by the name of Jesus who with a spoken word of go cast out the demons then setting the man free. We then find the man sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. This is only one of many instances that I could take in Scripture, and I understand that we've already had a long portion of service this morning with several things that we have done with baby dedication. I'll not belabor the point. We still have a baptism left for today. Thank God for that. I'm not going to belabor the point this morning. I'm going to preach what I have, and I'll step aside and get out of the way. But I want to remind you, that an encounter with Jesus will always be a defining moment in your life. I don't ever want to get to the point where I come to church to see who's there, to see what you wear, to hear a good story about what happened in your life this week. But every time I walk in the doors of this building, I want there to be an encounter with Jesus. Because an encounter with Jesus will change your life, will change your world, will change the course of direction, will turn your life around. Everybody needs an encounter with Jesus. There's a Samaritan woman. We can type it to so many different portions of scripture, I won't preach all of them, just most of them. A Samaritan woman drawing water from Jacob's well, Jesus asked for a drink of water. After a brief conversation, Jesus offered her living water. She accepted the living water, became excited. Then she left her water pot and she went back into the city to tell them what manner of man that she had just met. This was her turning point. It was her encounter with Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, regardless what you walked in here carrying, 
what kind of reputation or sin that you may have, such as the Samaritan woman may have had. It does not matter. It'll cause you to set down your water pot and go and tell everybody. I don't know everything about him, but let me tell you, I just met a man, and his name is Jesus. And what he just did for me is what no other man has ever been able to do. Where's your water? I don't know where the water pot is because I got so excited about my encounter with a man named Jesus that it changed and defined my future. God has revealed himself in different times, in different ways to man throughout the ages. If I had the time this morning, I would preach a while and stay on this subject. An example is in the vision that was granted to Jacob from which the whole tone of his life changed. And he began a brand new God-fearing future in his life as he lay wearily on his stone pillow under the clear shining stars of the eastern sky. Behold, a ladder sat upon the earth and the top of it reached into heaven. And behold, the angels of the Lord were ascending and descending. What a powerful dream. The Lord stood above the ladder and he spoke unto Jacob. And he said unto him, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father, and the land whereon thou liest to thee and to thy seed will I give it. Listen, Moses also had a defining moment. He was leading the flock of his father-in-law one memorable day on the backside of a Midian desert. He came along the side of the mountain of God, even to Horeb, the Bible says, and all of a sudden in the midst of nowhere appeared unto him a flaming fire in a bush. And he looks at the bush, and the bush is clearly on fire. A bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. He's looking at it, and an angel of the Lord appeared unto him out of the burning fire, and it began to speak unto him. And God called unto him, out of the midst of the bush and said Moses and he said here am I in the New Testament there are all sorts of records of similar scenes of defining moments that turned it was pivotal in the eyes and in the hearts of men it was moments that changed Jacob and changed Moses and changed the woman at the well it, there's these moments all through scripture the overwhelming light and voice on the road to Damascus and the elevation into the third heaven to see the unspeakable things that the Apostle Paul wrote about and said that he saw. He, he said, I, I can't even tell you all of the things that I saw because what he saw was so unbelievable. He was overwhelmed by it. It was a moment that defined him. It was a moment that changed everything or maybe we could consider the vision that John saw on the Isle of Patmos when he was there or, or maybe we can just get back to our text for the sake of time when Thomas encountered Jesus it was a defining moment in his life he encountered him but when he encountered him he encountered him with disbelief I, I know I, I know what I'm seeing but I can't believe what I'm seeing 
I know what I sense. I, I know I'm in your presence and, and I understand that, but I, I don't fully understand it. And so Jesus put the challenge to him. And he said, Thomas, your lack of faith is because you have not touched me. You have been in my presence, but you have not connected with me. I'm talking to somebody this morning that have that's walked into the doors of this building and you're here and you know there is something about this atmosphere. You know there is something about this God that we have sang about and worshipped and praised. You know there is some, but you have not stepped out and said, I need to touch him. I need to know him. I need to feel him. And so Jesus looked at him and offered him. He said, Thomas, I'm not a God that cannot be touched here. Reached right over to where I am. Jesus standing before him in his resurrected body, nail print in his hand, scars in his side. He looks at him and says, I know that he went to a cross and was buried, but this is not supposed to be happening. Thomas the doubter, he said to him, reach hither thy finger and place it. Behold my hands. Feel the scars in my hands. Take, take your hand and thrust it into my side. Thomas now stop all of your faithless talk about I, 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 I know there's something but I, he said Thomas stop all of it. I'm going to allow you to touch me so that you know without a doubt who I am. Thomas responded to him with a word of commitment. Not only do I want to uh, uh, a general relationship with you, but you are my Lord and you are my God. Oh, if somebody understand what I'm preaching this morning, the most definite moment in your life, the most defining moment in your life is the moment that you declare, I've heard about Jesus, I've sang about Jesus, I've been in the presence of Jesus, but he is my Lord and he is my, I'm going to make it about me and him. I'm going to make it about my relationship with him. The turning point in our lives is when we have a personal experience with Jesus. When we recognize him for ourselves. When we stop taking somebody else's description of him. See, we sing songs that great gifted songwriters wrote. I praise you because of who you are. But if I don't have a personal understanding to say I praise you because I know who you are. See, there's a whole different, whole different meaning there. You see, we sing songs about who he is because a songwriter penned it and said, we read a scriptural text and read about who he is and say, I know I've got a head knowledge of him. I sing songs about him. I go to church and sense that his presence is there. But listen, you've got to do more than that. You've got to make him your Lord and your God. You've got to make it a defining moment in your life. I'm tired of just showing up singing songs. I need to be able to sing my own song. I need to be able to tell my own story. I need to be able to talk about when I overcame. I need to talk about when my yoke was broke. I need to talk about when my addiction was put behind me. I need to talk about the day I repented of my sins. I need to talk about the day I was baptized in the name and took on the name of Jesus and now I'm no longer my own. I want to talk about the day he filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and 
I spoke in a language I had never known and he gave me power and he gave me hope. That defining moment happens when we recognize him as our Lord and our God. Thomas finds himself in the presence of Jesus. And the scene that he beholds causes him to cry out, my Lord and my God. The issue is, had Thomas never taken a step of faith and an action, Jesus bid him, Thomas, come touch my hands. Thomas, Thomas, Come, come put your, Thomas, put your hands. I got to find another Thomas. Thomas, come touch my, put your hand. You see, the bid required an action out of Thomas. Because Thomas, the doubter, Set saying, me, me, but Thomas, the one that wanted a relationship with his Lord and his God said, you ask me to reach out, I'll reach out. You ask me to touch, I'll touch. You want to know how uh, somebody this morning needs to make a decision that I'm not just going to hear the preacher, but I'm going to step up. I'm going to step out. I'm going to make the commitment. I'm going to repent of my sins. I'm going to be baptized in his name. I'm going to take him at his word. I'm going to put action to my faith, believe is good, but believing by yourself. Come on, Thomas, you believed. You know you believed, but you didn't act on it. But when Thomas acted, then came the, the real defining moment of my Lord and my God. Not required, Pastor. Not required. Just believe on the Lord. Just believe. Just believe on the Lord. All you got to do is believe. Thomas, do you believe? Thomas, you, you were nodding your head. You, you, Thomas, you were going. But until Thomas, until I found a Thomas that didn't go, he knew that the call was for him. And it required an action out of him. Your believing is good. It's the first step. But you can believe all day. If I told you right now that the roof of this building is about to collapse. See, none of you believe that. You know the builders. <laughs> you trust it. But let there be a tornado blowing in. And I said, folks, this building is about to collapse. I couldn't get it out of my, out of my mouth fast enough that you folks would be beelining out of the doors, running over one another, grabbing one another, women leaving their purses, men leaving their wallets, running out the door. Because real belief calls you into action. 
Thomas, do you believe? Oh, yeah, I believe you. You don't believe, Thomas. You're going to have to take an action of putting your hand into my side. You're going to have to take a step. Come on, child of God. I love you this morning, but I'm going to tell you just believe it. It's never going to get the job done. You're going to have to take a step of faith. No, it's not by you were saved by faith. Yes, it's not by your works, but without your works, you cannot fulfill the obedience of Scripture. You must be born again of the water and of the spirit you must repent you must be baptized in his name you must make a move Thomas I'm done you can give them some hope this morning stand with me all over the building so overwhelming was the glimpse of the holiness of the Lord that day that Thomas was left no other alternative than to acknowledge him as his Lord and his God. He sees the, majest, the majesty of, nail, of a nail-scarred Savior when he touched him and was absolutely, positively sure that this wasn't just somebody else's Lord and God. But he declared him my Lord and my God. He sees the resurrected power in a crucified Christ. He sees the glory of him whom the world had hated. But it didn't interfere with his moment. My Lord and my God. What is Thomas's purpose in declaring him his Lord and his God? Jesus didn't need Thomas to validate his ministry. What did he have to gain? He had been a disciple long before. This experience did not change that. Maybe Thomas had been so long with him. He had become so familiar with his presence, but he had forsaken a recognizable relationship because it had been so long since he had touched him. Some of us need to reach out and touch his nail-scarred hands this morning. Some of us need to place our hand back into his wounded side so we can once again become acquainted with him our Lord and our God. I believe some in this building this morning needs to encounter Jesus in a way that will cause you to call him your Lord and your God. I know we have a baptism that is preparing and getting ready to happen this morning. This is a defining moment in the life of little Wyatt. Defining moment. How many of you remember where you were? You remember that day? Remember that moment? Remember that hour? If you've never had that moment, you need to have it. If you've never been repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, if you've never received the baptism of His Spirit, this is your day. This is your hour. This is your moment. It's up to you. You can say, I agree, preacher, I'm not disagreeing with you.
but Thomas, you got to take that step. You got to move into that. You got to move into action. You got to act on what you're believing. We all need a defining moment with him this morning. We need that defining moment. The Apostle Paul said that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his suffering. Maybe you've been carrying a load. You feel like you're suffering through life. He's touched with the very feelings of your infirmities. His strength is made perfect in your weakness. This could be your defining day. Come lay those burdens down to him this morning. These altars are open. Join these that have already made a step this morning. I invite you, don't leave here without making sure you know him this morning, that you can declare he is your Lord and your God. Let this be your defining moment. God will show up at the scene and everything can change in your life. Come on, let's respond to the Lord this morning. Oh, yeah.